This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome back to the Galloway Podcast, episode 28. I'm your host, William Galloway, and that was Reese Davis giving a warm welcome to the Galloway Podcast. Reese came and spoke as he was in town last week for College Game Day, spoke to students. I went and visited him, gave him a hat. He is now a brand ambassador for the Galloway Podcast and was nice enough to do a voiceover. He did another voiceover that you will see on future episodes, so stay tuned for that. And thank you, Reese Davis. Glad you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Now we've got plenty to go over in these next few minutes. Roger Hoover from Crimson Tide Sports Network and a broadcaster for a variety of organizations will be joining the podcast to discuss Alabama football and Alabama basketball. Those are the main two topics. We will be delving into those shortly. But before we do, we want to give a brief overview. Alabama and LSU happened this week, this past weekend. Obviously, the Tide took their first loss of the season, 46-41. We'll break that down with Roger. Crimson Tide, 8-1 and one on the season, and now ranked number 5 in the college football playoff poll. So what does that mean? We will see here in a couple of moments. And Tide Hoops got its first win of the Nate Oates era this past Monday over FAU as the Owls came into town. Nate Oates picked up the win 78-59 to over the Owls, and Alabama gets on the right track of things in this 2019-2020 season. We're going to talk with Roger about what he saw in that game and what Alabama needs to do going forward um, with a game this Friday against Rhode Island and then hosting Furman next Tuesday as well. So we'll break down that with Roger Hoover here in a couple of minutes. But I want to say one thing before we get started with Roger. <sighs> Let's all take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. Alabama fans, let me, let me give you time. Go ahead and take a deep breath, all right? We'll give you one second here. Okay, I'm glad you breathed. You really needed that, and here's why. Everything's going to be okay. Alabama's ranked number five in the college football playoff. The sky is not falling, all right? You don't need to run around like Chicken Little and freak out over everything because Alabama's not in the top four. Alabama's been in this position. Actually, last time they were in this position, they won the college football playoff in 2017. And it was two years ago when they beat Georgia, um, and, and they found themselves in this position at this time in November. So get a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Stop freaking out. Alabama is not in the driver's seat, but they have some control over what they do if they keep winning. And the resume speaks for itself. Sure, they're non-conference opponents that aren't great, but Alabama's schedule is stronger than Oregon's one loss to Auburn and other schools. I mean, we could get into this, and we'll get into this later, but just calm down. It's going to be okay. Everything will be fine. We're not players. We're not coaches, we're fans, we're reporters, and we watch, and we don't really have a say. And that's okay. It's all going to work out. It really is. And so now we're going to move over to the interview portion of the podcast with our featured guest, Roger Hoover. 
Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a broadcaster for the Jacksonville Shrimp, the AA affiliate of the Miami Marlins, SEC Network broadcaster, broadcaster for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network, SEC Radio, and host of the Roger po- Roger Hoover Podcast, and so much more. Roger Hoover, how you doing? Doing very well. It's a really special time of the year. Uh, you know, if you work in college athletics, really November and March are your busiest times of the year, but also in a lot of ways, just your favorite times of the year with everything starting to overlap. Uh, most meaningful football of the year. We're getting basketball started. I've been done a lot of volleyball and soccer games that have been really meaningful over the last few weeks. So I'm having a blast. It's been a good time. Well, it's been fun to keep up. Obviously, you're, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off going, you, uh, you're calling all these different games in all these different states what what have you had going on these past couple days and what do you have coming up in the next few days well last week uh, really got going on friday for me last week calling uh, alabama volleyball their match against mizzou on friday night at foster auditorium and that went the distance uh, five sets with mizzou getting the win and then i'm um, still filling in for chris stewart on a uh, football and men's basketball for the crimson tide sports network until chris is better uh, so with that uh, comes football hosting for the first two hours of the three hour pregame show that we have across the crimson tide sports network and obviously that was a very special day on Saturday uh, against LSU, a very long day at Bryant Denny Stadium, and then even post game, I was on the post game show uh, with my normal show with Tyler Watts at Baumhauer's Victory Grilled, and got in the car, headed down to uh, Lower Alabama, and I was in Orange Beach, Alabama, on Sat- Sunday for the SEC Soccer Championship, the final of the SEC tournament that South Carolina won one nothing over Arkansas, and then got back in the car, back to Tuscaloosa Monday night, the first win of the Nate Oates era in men's basketball as Alabama got the win against Florida Atlantic and then right back on the road. Tuesday morning went to Clemson where the Alabama women's basketball team got their first win of the year against Clemson. So now today just kind of taking a deep breath, doing more prep uh, for what's coming up this weekend. I've got the call on SEC Network Plus tomorrow of Tennessee against Tennessee State and women's basketball. Then I'll fly to Rhode Island on Friday, get ready for Alabama men's basketball against Rhode Island, fly back with the team Friday night, head to Starkville. I'm not sure what I'm going to sleep yet before the Mississippi State game because that starts at 11 a.m. We go on the radio at 8 a.m., but uh, that'll be a good early start to that day. Uh, hopefully Alabama gets another win, then it's right back to T-Town uh, for basketball the next day. So as I mentioned, it's a busy time of the year, but it's a very good time to be busy because so many cool events are going on, and I'm just glad to be a part of all of them. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. For that Mississippi State game, you might want to just take an air mattress and wake up in the box. Um, I have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea. So, Roger, obviously you're all over the place calling all these different things, seeing it from a broadcaster's perspective. So on today's podcast, I want to kind of grill you on a couple questions, talking Alabama, and fo- Alabama football and Alabama basketball. We'll start on the turf. Uh, looking back at the LSU game last week, the 46-41 loss was the first loss for the Crimson Tide this season. But what did you see, um, obviously, as there were tons of things that went on the went on on the field tons of things that went on in the stadium as president trump president trump was visiting uh but what are your initial takeaways from the alabama lsu game this past saturday I'll really start with the atmosphere. Uh, you know, with all the increased security outside the stadium and everybody getting in with the gates opening right as we uh, went on the radio at 11.30 a.m., uh, just incredible to see Brian Denny Stadium full about an hour before kickoff. Uh, and the atmosphere and the buzz inside the stadium for me really started uh, from them. And then it was a really a fever pitch before the ball game began and at different points throughout the game. Uh, getting to see the lights later in the night was cool, too. So just everything about the game day experience, I think Alabama was 
was at its best on Saturday against LSU with just everything that this school has to offer. I mean, there's no better place uh, to play college football than Alabama. So I think that really showed off well. And then in terms of the game, you know, just that first drive, you know, going downfield, it really seems like a typical drive for the Crimson Tide before Tua's fumble. And, you know, how much the ankle injury really played a role in that fumble has been debated over the last couple of days. But that was kind of the first sign, kind of like the Clemson game uh, last year in the national title game with the interception. First kind of sign that something wasn't right about that day. And for Crimson Tide to be down by 20 at halftime, and unlike the Clemson game last year, to really respond well in the third quarter, outscore LSU down the stretch and in the second half, I think says a lot about the character of this team. You know, the defense made some really critical stops. I think most people probably are talking about the stops they didn't make in the fourth quarter, and certainly that last touchdown for LSU was the real backbreaker. But, you know, I saw a lot of fight. I saw a lot of grit in this team, and even the defense that has been a really challenged at times this year. And it's, as Coach Saban's talked about, a very young group of players that have not gotten to learn from the previous generation of starters like most of Alabama's great teams have learned from. These are guys that are playing their first college football snaps, trying to play with the Bama factor that's kind of hard to learn if you don't get to see it for at least four or five games to get the year going. But uh, again, I saw a lot of good things for the Crimson Tide. There were some uncharacteristic mistakes that have at times popped up in Alabama's seasons, even national championship seasons. So it's uh, not too much different from what we've seen in some previous years, but you just hope that Alabama will be able to bounce back like it always has, it seems, from that critical uh, regular season loss. And Coach Saban talks about it on Monday. You know, he's very proud of the fact that there haven't been that many two-loss uh, seasons in Alabama history, regular seasons. So uh, let's see how the Crimson Tide bounce back on Saturday against Mississippi State. Absolutely. One thing you mentioned, Roger, was the Bama factor and how these, especially these younger guys on defense, are trying to discover that Bama factor. And I think I saw this on Twitter. I think it was James Ogletree asked Coach Saban in a press conference uh, what what he thought on if if Alabama's defense and especially those young guys, even on offense, have kind of discovered that Bama factor. And I think he said Coach Saban uh, replied that he, they don't even understand the Bama factor, and we're nine games in, uh, which shows the the growth that this team can have over these next few weeks in November, and then going into whatever postseason lies ahead for Alabama, but. Um, as a team, Coach Saban doesn't think they've reached their full potential, doesn't reach, think they've reached their full identity yet. And so when, when you mentioned Bama Factor, that stands out to me as well. I want to go over a couple stats here. Uh, you talked about the defense. Obviously, they're, the number 25 has, has gone throughout the media and circulated, and fans have heard about 25 missed tackles. But guys like Xavier McKinney, Jared Maiden, and Trayvon Diggs all had, I think, career highs um, and, and tackles. I think McKinney had 13, Maiden had 11, and Diggs uh, with 10. But they really they, they stepped up, but also there are a lot of questions around the defense in terms of just giving up 33 points in the first half and letting LSU score at will um, towards the beginning of the game and kind of march through, especially on third down and long. So what can Alabama do to fix that going into Mississippi State this weekend? 
Well, I think, first of all, they're probably not going to deal with as short a field as Alabama's defense had to deal with a lot because of the turnovers. Uh, I believe the stat was like 17 of the first half points for LSU were off of turnovers. So uh, they, it was really the first time all year they've been challenged with the turnovers leading to a very short field and then giving up touchdowns again against an offense that's honestly the best in the country against a quarterback that certainly seems to be the Heisman favorite at the moment in Joe Burrow. So I think for the defense, that's going to be a big part of it and uh, learning to get to the quarterback more. You know, Anthony Jennings has had his share of sacks along with Terrell Lewis. I would have liked to have seen a few more disruptions for what Joe Burrow was trying to do. And uh, for the linebacking core in general, just limiting quarterback runs is going to be something that's very key down the stretch. Uh, you look at even at the Ole Miss game, John Rice Plumley was able to you know kind of tuck it down, have those draw plays, those design draws where he was able to gain six, seven yards at will, convert a lot of third downs. A lot of Joe Burrow's big runs against Alabama and the LSU game were very, very similar to that. So uh, containing the quarterback, I think, is the whole key for the Crimson Tide. And the good news is now against Mississippi State and Auburn, it's more inexperienced quarterbacks coming up on Alabama's schedule. So they should be able to exploit that weakness coming up in the last two SEC games that are on the way. Right, and but two of those three are on the road, which present a test for the Tide. Mississippi State and Starkville this weekend. The Bulldogs are 4-5 four and five and 2-4 and four in conference play. Um, when I checked the game notes earlier today, Today it said Alabama's won the last 11 um, in the series, and the Tide is 19-4 and four in Starkville. Uh, Roger, in, in kind of your prep for that game, obviously it's still a couple days away, and you have plenty on your schedule leading up to that. But when you look at Alabama and Mississippi State, what does Alabama have to do? Obviously Mississippi State is not a very threatening team this weekend, but you can't overlook your opponents. What does Alabama have to do to accurately prepare for Mississippi State in order to get the best performance out of its guys on both sides of the ball? Well, going back to the Bama factor, I think Alabama, when it's at its best this season, talking about what the Tide have been able to do this year, uh, when they're able to just uh, really uh, break opponents' backs in the first half of games, a lot of touchdowns, you know, scoring upwards of 30 points, and really uh, making the game feel hopeless. I think the Arkansas game certainly felt that way, and at times they were able to motor past Texas A&M, South Carolina, and really critical moments in the two tough road environments. And uh, you know that Starkville's going to be crazy, even with the 11 a.m. start. Anytime Alabama goes anywhere that school is going to bring their yeah. absolute best to try to beat the bring, Tide. bring your Tylenol for all the uh, <laughs> cowbells yeah it's my first time that I've been there for baseball and for basketball so I've never been there for football so I've been uh, plenty warned about all the cowbells and the clanging that I'm sure will start uh, right as I probably say my first sentence on the radio at 8 a.m. so I'm <laughs> getting ready for all that but uh, I just think you just gotta score some points get these wide receivers really involved let Najee be Najee I mean for him to have 120 yards in the last game against LSU not getting as many carries and that third quarter there was that one drive where he really took over. I mean, I called it the Najee Harris drive in our post-game show with what he was able to do. So, you know, get him more involved early in the game. And then I think that this is a really big week for the defense. Uh, you know, after having the tough week against LSU, going up against a high-powered offense, you know, had a lot of billing coming into the game, and then, lo and behold, they still get 46 points. Uh, I think the challenge is now they, they need to go out there with the attitude that it's 10 points or less, or let's not allow a touchdown today. You know, kind of uh, 
that uh, Coach Yo's speech from Remember the Titans. I don't want them to gain another yard. I want them to play with that kind of mindset against a team like Mississippi State that has some talented playmakers. If they're able to move the ball downfield, it'll be on those kind of home run passes down the uh, through the air. So I, I just want them to play with that real mentality that we need a shutout you know, coming up on Saturday. Right. Right, yeah, Alabama's forced to turn over in 63 of its last 68 games, and that's something the defense we know prides itself in. And moving forward into this week, they want to extend that number to make it 64 the last 69 games. Um, I mean, because that stretches for seasons and seasons. And this defense is something that Coach Saban has established Alabama's identity on over the past decade. Uh, Also, another stat for this game to look for, Alabama looking for its 90th consecutive win versus an unranked opponent, 89 currently is the longest streak in the FBS history. Also, uh, when we look at numbers in college football in the world of rankings and things like that, let's talk about, lastly, the college football playoff rankings. Um, obviously, Alabama is not where they want to be at number five or need to be. You know, if it were, in, were, if it were to end today, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU are in. Roger, what's your reaction to Alabama being behind Georgia in the college football playoff rankings week two? For me, just where we are at this point of the season with still so many big games left, obviously three weeks of the regular season, you know, the conference championships after that, I honestly feel fine about Alabama being number five. Uh, I think with what Georgia has still in front of it, uh, getting ready to play LSU in Atlanta will be a very tall task for that team in the SEC championship game. And I think when it comes down to it, uh, you know, Georgia, even if they were to when they, if they beat LSU, they're in, certainly. And I know the debate right now is, well, how can Georgia with the loss against South Carolina be valued kind of more than Alabama's loss against um LSU, and I I just don't know at this point if it matters a ton, just knowing that Georgia will have to play LSU. So uh, you can't really make an argument with Ohio State, Clemson, or LSU. And to me, the Georgia, uh, Alabama, four and five, it's for this week. That's kind of my view on it. I I think there's just still so much football to be played. And for Georgia, you know, still going up against Auburn, they can lose Saturday, and it's they're completely out of the conversation uh, moving forward. So uh, I feel I feel fine. You know, when I saw that. Alabama's ranked number five. Yeah, I was. My worry was, okay, are they going to slide down to say six, seven, or eight? Even though they played the number one team in the country very well, and they did. So I think the committee's got Alabama right there. I think that's a pretty good sign for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the the strikes that uh, Georgia could take. Like you mentioned, against Auburn this weekend or against LSU in the SEC championship, and. I don't know what the percent chance is on it that that they lose one or both of those games, but I feel like it's got to be pretty high that they lose at least one of those. Um, I agree. And, and, of course, that South Carolina game. But I think it goes back, and I said this before we started the interview here on the podcast, talking about just Alabama fans like, it's okay. You know, they were in this position two years ago in, in, in 2017 and ended up winning the national championship. Um, and I think it's interesting that the number one team has never won it. But, Roger, moving forward to basketball here on the podcast, you called the game over Florida Atlantic and Nate Oates' first win. I want to get your thoughts on Alabama getting on the right side of the scoreboard after having a, a tough game to pin. I talked about that on the last podcast, but we can talk about this win now versus Florida Atlantic uh, and kind of what you saw from the Tide on the hardwood on Monday. 
saw them play with a lot of fun. I think that's the first thing. Uh, you know, it's still these guys learning Nate Oates' offensive system, taking those quick shots and getting used to that style of play. I still think even in the regular season, it's going to take a while uh, for this team to play uh, the speed and the tempo that he wants to play and for guys to feel comfortable in that. So I, I got to see this team, even though numbers, maybe not as many three-pointers or as field goals attempted as still Coach Oates would like, uh, they just played with a lot more confidence, I felt like, in this game than they did against Penn. The biggest thing for me about the Penn game was when Herbert Jones left with injury after playing the first 10 minutes, Alabama just was not the same on defense. And that's why, you know, Brodeur was able to do what he was able to do. And I think Herb would even have really disrupted whatever Dingle was doing to get to the basket, get some quick layups outside jumpers as well so uh, Alabama the game really changed without Herb uh, against Penn and then even without him on Monday night uh, still was able to play pretty good defense I think everyone really stepped up their game a little bit you know sometimes when you lose a teammate during a game it rattles you I didn't see the guys being rattled at all uh, this Monday night uh, Kyra typical performance uh, had 16 points you know at 30 of the game before against Penn and Javion Davis getting inserted into the starting lineup I think he was uh, part of the answer that Alabama was looking for when they say, okay, how do we replace Herb's defense? Nearly had a double-double. He had nine rebounds. He scored 19 points, and it's essentially the second game he's ever played, even though he was around the program last year and ended up having the redshirt year. But uh, for a guy that's put in the work and has lost 50 pounds since he got to campus, uh, it was nice to see it pay off in a big way, and I liked Alabama's starting lineup. I liked having Davis, along with uh, Kyra Beetle-Bolton, Jalen Forbes in there to go along with John Petty, and Petty didn't have the best game uh, with the turnovers especially, turning the ball over six times compared to five assists, and you know, the point total is below what you know he would like to have, but uh, still had some good moments on the defensive end of the floor as well, and it was just a well-rounded victory, I thought, for the Crimson Tide against FAU, and now it's going to be exciting to see what they can do uh, this Friday against Rhode Island. Yeah, it was it was an exciting environment, and it was fun to see kind of that offensive spread in terms of balance of points. You mentioned that Kyra had 30 against Penn last week, and then there was more of a balance, as you mentioned, Davis, and then Shackelford had, had 17 as well. There were four scores in double digits. Uh, Kyra and Alex Reese had 12, a pretty quiet 12, I would add, Shackelford um, and Davis. And so seeing that balance um, where Kyra's not having to carry all the load, um, but but one place he is going to carry the load is, is point guard this year with Javon Quinterly being out and ruled ineligible. His appeal was denied from the NCAA what, what do you think about that and, and that the, in, the fact that the NCAA will not give an explanation or they haven't yet? Um, and how big of a blow is that to Alabama going down the road looking at the rest of the season? I think it's certainly a blow. Uh, I had an opportunity uh, right before the Georgia Tech game to get to watch all of uh, Alabama's practice on the Friday before uh, and even before the media were allowed in, just with my role with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And I got to see a lot of him running the offense. And you talk about a great distributor. Uh, he's a pass-first kind of guy that can really uh, get everybody involved. And it was especially fun to watch him run the point with Kyra running the two-guard, Petty at three at times, and some of the practice I got to see. So, so uh, very disappointing that uh, obviously the waiver was denied the first time. And then especially with the appeal, when the player gets to talk directly with that small group of people, uh, you would think nine times out of 10, uh, they would hear his story. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know all the particulars of the case, but you would just think that 
at the end of the day, it's better that he gets to play. And that's what I've seen throughout the years working in college athletics. Um, I just wish there were a little more common sense in some of the decisions from the NCAA. And, uh, you know, I've seen it uh, with the other school I work with, Tennessee, Euros uh, Plopsitz, is a guy that transferred from Arizona State uh, to Tennessee. He was denied the first time. I haven't heard yet about his appeal, but uh, it's just, it can seem so random at times like that. And, uh, you know, especially for an Alabama program that needs depth. I mean, it's a very small rotation the Crimson Tide are going to go with, you know, adding a couple walk-ons within the last few weeks just because of the depth has uh, shrunk so much with the injuries. Uh, It's very disappointing that he won't get his chance. uh, But, you know, as Coach Oates talked about it with us uh, Monday on the radio that, you know, we're going to rally around him and you know, allow him to, of course, practice and continue developing his game. And you know that when he does hit the floor at Coleman Coliseum for the first time next year, he's going to be an extremely well-rounded player that's ready to contribute and ready to play really at an all-SEC level. Absolutely. I'm fired up to see him next season. That is a long way off, but he will be uh, surely missed this season. And really unfortunate that we can't get him in the crimson and white to suit up this year. But Alabama, and you know, it's it's like Coach Saban talks about the process. You gotta you gotta play with who you have. And uh, the Crimson Tide going to Rhode Island on Friday night, and then Furman on Tuesday. Defensively, um, obviously, we we need Herb Jones if healthy, if he can be. We need him to go if he can. Um, we need we need Alex Reese at a hundred percent output. I mean, just trying to be big and out physical. And another big game from JV and Davis. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what we get game in and game out from guys like this. Like, you know what you're going to get with Kyra, but is, is Shackleford going to be hitting his shots and things like that? And so what are you looking for against a team like Rhode Island? It would be a huge uh, – this is a huge opportunity. It would be a huge win if Alabama was able to get a road on the win. Big confidence boost, especially being um, injured and things like that. Yeah, this is the type of game that if the Crimson Tide can win, it's going to look really good on the resume, getting ready for March and uh, trying to build a case to uh, get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, it's certainly a talented Rhode Island team, a team that brings back all five starters from last year. Uh, they only lost six players overall, but none of their starters. They're picked to finish fourth in the preseason, a 10 poll, uh, picked behind some really outstanding programs like Virginia Commonwealth, Davidson, Dayton. So this is a team that expects to play at a really high level. It seems like just reading some uh, news stories and things today, you know, they've got a lot of confidence coming into this matchup against the Crimson Tide. And like I talked about with uh, football, anytime you go and you get to welcome in a a program like Alabama, if you're a mid-major school or in that group of five, uh, they're going to be fired up and they're going to put their best foot forward. Uh, I filled in for Chris last year when Alabama went to Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, Texas, and uh, that place was jumping just for the Crimson Tide and Avery Johnson to be there. So, uh, you know that they're going to be fired up uh, seeing a Kyra Lewis Jr. come to town with Nate Oates, and uh, it's going to be a pretty cool atmosphere coming up on Friday. But it's a team that's got some length. Uh, they got a couple guys that are 6'8 and above, so it's, again, another big test for J.B. on Davis, and it's another uh, reason that it's so important that Herb Jones comes back and really help out the Crimson Tide defensively because you're going to need to get a lot of stops in a game like this. Yeah, I mean, you look at last year, Alabama would go on on road games like this, and I don't think they won too many of them. And fans would have the mentality of, oh, you know, we weren't supposed to win that one. It's on the road. And uh, it doesn't have to do with who was coaching or who was playing. 
the players expect to win every game, and 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 those guys are going to board that plane tomorrow, expecting to come back from Rhode Island Friday night with a win, and and they need that, and and I really anticipate that we're going to get a really good judgment of the expectation that we should have for this team in this Rhode Island game because of the circumstances surrounding it with who's healthy, who's not, you know, being a road game and things like that. But the, when you, you mentioned the big men, I haven't really looked into that. That is going to be a huge test for our big guys, and I'm excited to see that. And then Furman next Tuesday, we're going to need a big crowd. Um, is that is that Furman game part of the, the Thanksgiving tournament that Alabama is participating in, or how does that work? Yeah, it's listed as part of the tournament. Uh, if Furman beats Alabama, it doesn't mean Furman's going to the Bahamas and the Crimson Tide are staying home. But I forget I forget the legalese on how that works, but it is included in the uh, battle for Atlantis as a part of that. But uh, Furman, a really good team. You know, that's picked to fit picked to contend for the SOCON this year, picked just behind, I believe, ETSU and then UNCG, uh, two really good programs, and the SOCON's turned into a really outstanding basketball league, so they've got a lot of players back from last year's team that had success, and they've got one of the better young coaches in college basketball, Bob Ritchie, who's only 36 years old, and this is his third or fourth season as a head coach and at a pretty good school like Furman, so I think, like you mentioned, if the students come out, really give the Crimson Tide a lot of support next weekend, especially if they're able to win on Friday, get some good momentum and everybody feeling in a real positive way. Uh, I think that'd be great to see next week. Uh, last week was just kind of crazy with how Alabama men's and women's basketball lost at the very end in their season openers. Football had its first loss, a couple losses in other sports as well. And then the tough news with Quinterly, but I think things are starting to turn around a little bit for the Crimson Tide. Been a good week so far. Absolutely. Well, I've got some family ties. Sister and brother-in-law went to Furman, so we'll have a uh... Have a good time at that game. Looking forward to that. Roger, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, William. It's impressive the body of work uh, you put together while still in school and uh, keep it up with the podcast. Great stuff. I'll always look forward to listening to it. Really kind words from Roger there at the end and great words all around throughout the interview. As you heard, Roger's very busy. He's literally traveling the country night in, night out, calling games here, calling games there. So thank you for your time, Roger, to this podcast. And thank you, listeners, for listening. If you have any questions, please tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. Recommendations for the podcast, things you would want to hear, um, things you might want to hear differently on the podcast i'm welcome uh, i welcome and open any and all feedback so please let me know one more time thanks to roger hoover you can follow him on twitter at roger underscore hoover check him out he's doing a great job and we're thankful you're listening to the galloway podcast episode 28 where we broke down alabama football the lsu game we talked about What's coming up with Mississippi State this weekend and Rogers' reaction to the college football playoff rankings? Again, Alabama at number five, sitting behind Georgia at four. We think the Crimson Tide will move up here, maybe this weekend or in the future, depending on how Georgia does with the rest of their season. Also, we talked about Alabama basketball, the big win over Florida Atlantic, the first of Nate Oates' career here in Tuscaloosa. And talked about Javon Quinterly and then what's coming up next for Alabama with Rhode Island and Furman. Remember, the Galloway Podcast merchandise is on sale. Hats are currently sold out, but we're looking to get some more, and hopefully those will be in circulation coming up soon. Podcast koozies, black koozies with the white logo, are on sale. DM me on Twitter or contact me, and hopefully you will be willing and wanting to purchase a Galloway Podcast 
Podcast Koozie. Thank you so much for your support. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.